Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. A bittersweet episode because we get to talk about the Super Bowl, but also that means that football is officially over. Um, as such, this episode's really going to be just talking about the Super Bowl. Um, I will touch on a couple of things at the end of the episode, I guess, but for the most part, we're talking about football, so it might be shorter in that regard. Uh, but the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56, Rams versus Bengals. Uh, a lot of team, a lot of people expected the Rams to be one of the teams that was in this Super Bowl, and they were correct. Me being one of them, uh, I like many other people had the Rams as the preseason favorite. Uh, it's, that's before they got Odell Beckham in their trade with the Browns. Uh, before him and before Robert Woods towards ACL. Those two guys with Matt Stafford, like I still really like their chances. If it was just that team from the beginning of the season without any of the additional trades, Von Miller, I think, kind of put them over the edge a little bit defensively as well, because then you're less likely to like double and triple team Aaron Donald when you have to worry about him too. But anyway, a lot of people expected them to be in it, and they lived up to the hype. A team that for the past several years has been wheeling and dealing first round draft picks. Like, they don't mean shit. Their tactics worked out. Uh, Generally, in the NFL, first-round picks are, like, gold. You don't really trade them all willy-nilly. I know in the NBA, they're they're pretty valued as well. But in football, it feels like it's doubled that, you know? And teams generally don't trade first-round picks unless it's for a really good player, generally. I know you can look at some things like, The Colts traded a first-round pick for Carson Wentz. That was overpaying because Carson Wentz isn't worth that. And there's reports that he might not even be with the team next year. They might trade him. So that's a whole debacle. But, you know, there there are outliers in terms of what you give up for a first-round pick. Um, So the Rams, they wheel and deal first-round picks like it's nothing. They got Jalen Ramsey. uh, They got Matt Stafford for a couple first-round picks. I don't believe they traded first-round picks for Odell or Von Miller. I'm actually, I'm pretty sure they didn't. But they have all these hugely, immensely talented players on their roster. And a lot of, sometimes you see that, and it, it doesn't work out for whatever reason. You know, football is a very hard sport come playoff time. Because sometimes the best team doesn't always win. Uh, cause any given Sunday, shout out to the movie, Al Pacino and Jamie Foxx, any team could win just based, like, you never know what's going to happen in football. It's, it's a one day, one shot thing. Like there's not a series, right? You can't go out there and have a bad game and then be like, all right, well, we'll get them next time. Cause there is no next time. So for that reason, a lot of times the best team might not always win. Uh, but in this case, one of those years where, you know, kind of like the Bucks last year, the Bucks got Brady, and immediately everyone was like, well, the Bucks are now Super Bowl favorites, or at least one of the two Super Bowl favorites, and they ended up winning. I also think it's funny how we went from no teams, even, I don't think any team has ever even hosted their own Super Bowl, let alone winning in their home stadium during the Super Bowl to back-to-back years where the team whose city is hosting the Super Bowl won the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay and L.A. having it in SoFi. So, 
kind of weird how things like that happens. Like once the lid gets flipped off, then uh, it's like a, a a landslide of all these different things. Like I'm sure it's gonna happen a few more times while I'm like alive and breathing and watching football. The Bengals, of course, the team that was the underdogs. They've been underdogs every game this playoff run. Aside from the wild card matchup when they played the Raiders, that was their one and only home game during the playoffs, and they were favored, but everything else has been on the road. Um, in the Super Bowl, technically neutral ground, but it also wasn't in this case. Uh, so everything was a road game for the Bengals. And they never played like it. They They never once... Did I see them playing the game like they were a team whose backs were against the walls, they're going up against a juggernaut that they are completely outclassed and outmatched at? They never once played like that. And to be fair to some of the other teams, outside of wildcard weekend, once the divisional round hit, all those teams were very, very evenly matched. For the rest of the playoffs, every team that was in from the divisional round on was separated by a few strands of hair. Like, everything was a super thin razor margin, and all the games showed it. Like, we had, I think pretty much every game was a one-score game in the playoffs after the divisional round. So, uh, the Bengals played their best football. They came in late with a couple huge wins to get to 10-7, win their division, and I think... Probably safe to say they were one of the hottest teams coming into the playoffs, especially Joe Burrow, who was, you know, slinging the rock everywhere uh, across the field for the last few weeks of the season. The last week of the season, not included because he sat for rest, but his last few games, he was throwing it everywhere. He could not be stopped. And the, the Bengals rode that momentum all the way into the uh, all the way to the Super Bowl. And they had a real shot to win this game like it. I never, I know people were complaining about officiating and all that, um, but I never really felt that way when I was watching it. Obviously, there were a few times we were like, how do you miss that call? But that happens in every NFL game, unfortunately, officiating and, you know, the officials are not perfect. It's a thankless job that they have. Uh, I want to get into all of that, but the Bengals had a real shot to win this game and it, it came down to the, the last possession. Unfortunately for them, they came up a little bit short, and the Rams ended up being Super Bowl champions. I knew going into this game, either way, I was going to be happy and and celebrating on the behalf of the team that won. Uh, There were a lot of guys on the Rams, a lot of really likable individual players that I wanted to see win. And on the Bengals side, moreover, from a, a a team perspective. They are a really young, feisty team that I wanted to see capitalize on this really unprecedented run, given their age and their experience. The run that they had is almost, we've only seen that maybe a couple times in the entire history of the NFL. Like They really went on a crazy run, given the lack of experience of their starting quarterback and the team in general. So we'll start with the uh, with the Bengals because I, I want to talk about them. They did lose, so I guess it would be more fitting to end the podcast talking about the winners of the actual Super Bowl. Um, 
Joe Burrow said this in his postgame presser. You like to think because they're so young that they're going to be back in this position. But with the Bengals, it, it's a double-edged sword. They could be back in this position next year or within the next couple years. But there's also a real shot that they miss the playoffs next year. <laughs> like it, it really is almost like a 50-50 shot that they could go back to the Super Bowl or miss the playoffs entirely because the AFC is really deep. Really, really deep. I mean, just if you remember how close that playoff push was towards the end of the season, like the Bengals really solidified it. Uh, but they are also in a tough division. Uh, the Browns slipped up this year. They were they had a bunch of injuries. Um, they they're none of their, neither one of their running backs could stay healthy. Um, obviously Odell, the Odell situation wasn't good. Baker Mayfield was banged up all year, even though I don't personally think he's that good of a quarterback. Him being injured for pretty much a majority of the year didn't help things. Um, and yeah, they were just they were just banged up on both ends of the ball. And people obviously have short-term memories, but when it comes to football, but they won the division last year. They won a playoff game last year. Like they could win football games. And they are not an easy opponent by any means. Uh, the Steelers are the weakest link in that division as of right now. Uh, this was Ben Ben Roethlisberger's last year. He's officially retired, so now they have a huge question mark in the quarterback position. Uh, depending on how they fill it, they'll probably. And I mean, I think regardless, unless they really go out and get like a, an A tier, maybe even a B tier quarterback, like if they, if they got someone like Jimmy G to come in there and replace them, they'd still be a, uh, a formidable team and a team that could make the playoffs for sure. Just because Najee Harris is a beast. And then that, that defense with TJ Watt at the head of it is, uh, probably the best in the league, if not one of the best in the league, top five easily. So if they got someone like Jimmy G, then you could see them back in the playoffs for sure. But as of right now, there's no real indication about who they're even eyeing. Uh, so as long as they have a question mark, they're the worst team in that division. The Ravens had a real down year. They started the year with the most players on injured reserve in the entire NFL, and they really didn't move from that spot all year. Uh, they were in the top three of teams with IR players for the entire year. And on top of that, Lamar Jackson got hurt. And that pretty much ended their season. Tyler Huntley came in. He did a really commendable job trying to drag the Ravens to the finish line and, and get them into the playoffs. But in the end, he just could not do enough. Um, again. Commendable job. He he really did a good job and probably earned himself a ton of money. If you have to plug him in there for one or two games, like there's a chance he can win both those games, go two and zero, and then you get your starter back. You're all good. Uh, but just he had to play too many games, and when you're a backup and not a starter, that's usually the difference. Is that you can't really will your team through four, five, six games. Uh, Lamar missed a game due. Due to COVID, he, uh, and then I think the next week he banged up his ankle and, and that was it for him. So you expect him to come back healthy. Ideally, he doesn't get hurt 
Um, sometimes with guys like him, aka running quarterbacks who, let's be honest, don't have a whole lot of meat on them. Lamar's a skinny dude. Uh, he's not really built for taking hits. A lot of times, all it takes is one injury for them, and then it's a slippery slope. I, I hope that's not the case with Lamar, but I'm just saying sometimes guys get injured, and then that's it. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. is a perfect example. I hate to use him in this scenario, but it's the truth. He came in with an injury for the Giants. He had like a hamstring injury, whatever it was, out of LSU. Misses a couple games, comes back, plays around two healthy seasons with the Giants. Then he injures his ankle. Then he tears his ACL. Then he hurts. He breaks another bone, I think it is. And now he just tore his ACL again. Uh, ever since, really, his last year with the Giants, when he, he broke his ankle, um, he just hasn't been the same. Like, that one injury, you can go back and trace it. Outside of the injury he had coming into the league, he was healthy for about two years. And now he, he is just, he's racked up the injuries. And it is devastating. And I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk about him when we get to the Rams portion of this podcast. But for now, uh, Bengals. And then with the Bengals, to round out that division, um, they're in a good they're in a good spot. Right? Like you really can't ask for more as a Bengals fan than what this team has already given you. Joe Burrow is a he's an electric factory. Um could easily end up being in the top 5 best quarterbacks in the league conversation next year. Honestly, I still don't think he's there right now. Um and I don't really think that's crazy to say. I know he was in the Super Bowl, but that doesn't mean he's a top five quarterback, right? He's close, though. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's a top 10 quarterback right now. He's, he's young. Um, unfortunately, he's had the injury with his ACL, so he doesn't have as many games under his belt. And just being older, coming out of college, he's the same age as guys like Mahomes and Allen, who have several years under their belt already. But Given what he's done his second year, I mean, the only guy you can really compare in the league right now around that age who has accomplished as much as him is Mahomes. Uh, like, what other... I mean, he doesn't have an MVP, so Lamar Jackson, you could throw up there, but Lamar has won one playoff game. Uh, Burrow, first time in the playoffs, he gets to the Super Bowl. Mahomes is the only other guy who's come close to something like that, and he's obviously done better in, in, that, in those terms, but Burrow's a stud. He's a very bright future. Now, in terms of the team as a whole, obviously Burrow's going to be there for a long, long time. I don't think Cincinnati's going to let him go. They're going to extend him, give him a bunch of money, all that, which I think is all deserved and definitely the right move, right? You lock down your quarterback, build around him for the rest of his career. That's, that's the move for Joe Burrow. As for the rest of the team, this is where I see it going, and it's kind of a long prediction, and obviously many things can happen. I could be totally wrong, or I could be totally right. That's why it's a prediction, but they're fun. Joe Mixon's 25 years old, T. Higgins is 23, 24, and Jamar Chase is like 22, 23 also. You got Burrow's 25, obviously, I mentioned that. But that's, that's your offense. That's the core of your offense. Your offensive line is shit. 
Uh, Burrow was like the most sacked quarterback this year or one of the most sacked quarterbacks. The Titans sacked him a ton. Uh, and the Chiefs got at him. Uh, and the Rams sacked him a ton. You can't allow your starting quarterback to be hit that much. He's never going to last. And people said it last year. They need to get the draft Penny Sewell, get offensive linemen. You need to protect Joe Burrow. He just tore everything in his AC in his knee because your offensive line is horrendous. Uh, they didn't do that. They took Jamar Chase. Turned out to be the right move. That's not always the case, but in this decision, it turned out to be the right move. Now you have all your pieces. You need to get an offensive line. That is a must. Aside from that, just talking about position players that we have, Mixon, Higgins, Chase, that's it. Those three guys, because you're locking down Burrow. Jamar Chase is probably going to get a ton of money. Uh, If there's any one guy they're going to re-sign for several years to be on this team with Joe Burrow, it's going to be his guy, Jamar Chase. He's already kind of earned it. I mean, if you really look at it, the guy is a number one wide receiver. He comes into the league instantly a number one wide receiver, instant chemistry with his quarterback because they played in college together. He's a pro bowler. He's first team all pro. He's offensive rookie of the year. And if it weren't for Cooper Cup, he'd be offensive player of the year. So this dude collects every accolade you possibly could as a rookie. If there's anyone that's going to get paid, it's him. So after you get Burrow and you get your offensive line, you probably pay Jamar Chase. Joe Mixon has a couple years left. And it sounds ridiculous to say this, but just look at the, the time of running backs. Also, in this game, there, were, there was like, what, that second and one, third and one back-to-back plays? And you have Samaji Pirine in the backfield, and you hand it off to him on a draw play towards Aaron Donald, and he gets dragged backwards to force that fourth down. Why is Joe Mixon not in the game? Like, if you're really, if you're gonna, I understand maybe you're kind of overthinking it. It's like they'll never expect a halfback draw with our pass catching running back in the game, but that's stupid. Like, you're overthinking it at that point. Joe Mixon has to be in the game. The fact that he was not in the game on those final three plays, two, three plays, is, I think, one of the bigger mistakes that Zach Taylor made. But with the lifespan of running backs, Mixon doesn't have that much longer. Uh, He's 25 years old. He probably has two years max of, like, 1,000-yard rushing seasons where he can be the guy in the backfield. Then, historically speaking, running backs tend to fall off. Uh, yes, they have P. Ryan. Yes, they can go out and get someone else to split carries to try and limit the damage from him. But again, historically speaking, running backs don't last well into their late 20s. It's just the way it is. Very unfortunate, but it's just the way it is. So you think you're getting a max another two years out of Joe, uh, out of Joe Mixon at his, his peak right now where he's at. T. Higgins, I think, is the one that's le- most likely to go. Uh, I-, I could definitely see T. Higgins leaving and going to another competitor, a really good team that could sign him, 
and and lure him away from the Bengals with some good money. Now, if you're the Bengals, ideally you'd like to retain that entire offense for the next few years, but outside of this two-year window, you don't know what's going on. When are you going to extend Burrow? How much are you going to go spend on offensive linemen? They have a lot of cap space this year, luckily for them. They have like the third or fourth, fourth most cap space in the entire NFL this year. So they could easily go out, sign offensive linemen, draft offensive linemen, I think is definitely what they're going to look to as well. Um, they can go out and sign a bunch of guys and capitalize right now because this team has proven that they can get to the Super Bowl. And you add a really good offensive line, they could win one. But Higgins, in my opinion, is the most likely to go. Um, that's, that's what I'm looking at. And within the next couple years, that's how I see it playing out. They got to get offensive linemen. They got to sign Burrow. They'll probably sign Chase. Mixon's probably there for like two, maximum three years. And then Higgins might walk somewhere. That's what I think. But who knows? They could retain all of them and get a good offensive line and just keep making runs at the Super Bowl. That would be awesome. I'd be very happy with that. As for the game on their end, um, actually, I, I realize we haven't really talked about the actual game that much, so we'll talk about the actual game before we get to the Rams. Uh, the Bengals had their shot. They got the ball at halftime. They score on a huge play to T. Higgins, which was offensive pass interference. He grabbed... Jalen Ramsey's face mask as he went to turn around to go locate the football, and Ramsey fell down. In real time, couldn't really notice it. It just kind of looked like Ramsey fell down. He got Their feet got tangled up, and he fell, and then Higgins caught it. But in replay, it's very obvious that Higgins grabbed Ramsey's face mask a little. It was incidental. Both of them were looking at the ball, but it happened. Should have been a flag. Wasn't a flag. They score on, like, the second play of the first half. Then, immediately after that, Stafford throws a ball that's a little out of reach uh, for number 18. I don't even remember what that kid's name is, but he got a lot more snaps after Odell got hurt. Hits off his hand, picked off by the Bengals, and they're in immediate field goal range. Rams stop him. McPherson kicks a field goal. Now, this is like, they convert a fourth down, but then they end up get stopping later in the drive, and they have to kick the field goal anyway. The Bengals are in control. From this point on, all of the momentum has ceased on the Rams' side, and the Bengals have like a 10-point lead, and they're, they're vibing. The Rams' defense won them this game. I think it's very obvious to say that because at this point, it felt like the Bengals were going to march down the field and score another touchdown, and then it was going to be a, a two-possession or a three-possession game. That never happened. The Rams stopped the Bengals each and every time they needed to. And as the fourth quarter came about and we, we, the clock ticked away and we got closer to getting a decision, the Rams got a field goal. Then it became a, whatever it was, four-point game. And it was because they missed the extra point on one of their touchdowns. So it became a four-point game. And as we got closer... We realized that this wasn't going to be a, a Rams, like five minutes left. It wasn't going to be Rams score, Bengals get a chance to march down the field. It's going to be Rams score, and there's not going to be a whole lot of time on the clock, so the Bengals are going to have to make some moves. And that's what happened. 
The Rams finally put together a drive in the second half. The Bengals' defense played out of their minds. I give them a lot of credit, except Eli Apple. That dude is not good enough to talk as much trash as he, as he did over the past like month. He talked a lot of trash about a lot of teams, about a lot of city and their cities and their fan bases, and he got torched by Tyreek Hill in the second half. And if not for his defense backing him up in the second half. Tyreek Hill would have had like 300 yards on the day. But he got torched by Tyreek Hill. No reason why he should have been talking trash about him. Then Cooper Cup ruined his life. I mean, he scored like, he scored both of his touchdowns on Eli Apple, blown assignments. One of them was just straight up, out route, back shoulder, Matt Stafford, perfect throw. Makes the catch over Eli Apple for the game-winning touchdown. So... Bad week to be Eli Apple because you talked a lot of shit and then you got the game-winning touchdown scored on you. Michael Thomas from the Saints was talking smack to him on Twitter. Um, CJ Gardner-Johnson, CD Deuce on the Saints, talking a lot of smack about him. McCole Hardman was tweeting at him a couple times, even a picture of his or a video of his championship ring. Uh, a lot of people were clowning Eli Apple. And he that's what happens, man. If you won, you could have went on Twitter, and talk to your heart's content because you would have been a champion. But on the biggest stage, you got torched by Cooper Cup twice. One time you blew it. The other time he straight up beat you man to man. Happens, bro. Live by the sword, die by the sword. That's what happens. Um, so I don't feel bad for Eli Apple. I'm glad he is not a Super Bowl champion. But every other person on that Bengals roster, I do feel for. Um, I, I really thought they deserved to win. And, you know, sometimes all it takes is one more score, but it's like the Rams, their defense, man, that's just what it is. Aaron Donald, I thought he was going to be the Super Bowl MVP just based on the last two plays alone where he dragged back P. Ryan and then almost sacked Burrow, but sacked him enough where Burrow kind of had to make like a, a twisting throw, came out helicopter style, fell incomplete, game over. Um, those last two plays are why Aaron Donald is one of the best ever. He is easily, I think, the best defensive player that I have ever seen with my own two eyes. Historically speaking, Lawrence Taylor is still the best player, defensive player ever. He's a top five football player. Ever. He was an MVP, two-time Super Bowl champion, defensive player of the year, uh, all-pro. Like He has all the accolades that Aaron Donald has, but an MVP as well, and one more Super Bowl. So I don't really think Aaron Donald goes past Lawrence Taylor as the best of all time, but people were, people were asking that, and I don't, I don't think it's completely out of pocket to say that. Um, Aaron Donald has just as many all pros as Lawrence Taylor, eight. He doesn't have, he has just as many defensive players. He has three defensive player of the years and the defensive, uh, rookie of the year. Aaron Donald has all of those as well. The only thing he's missing, the only thing Lawrence Taylor really has over Aaron Donald is an MVP and a second Super Bowl. So, I don't think Aaron Donald's ever going to win MVP. But when you're talking about accolades, like he comes 
pretty damn close. Like, if you're an All-Pro more than five times, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Like, being an All-Pro is not easy. Shout out Zach Thomas, still not in the Hall of Fame, five-time All-Pro. Like, he deserves to be in. But being an All-Pro is not easy. So Aaron Donald, outside of his rookie year, has been an All-Pro every single season. He was a Pro Bowler his rookie year, and he was Defensive Player of the Year, uh, the Defensive Rookie of the Year in his rookie year. And then after that, he's been an All-Pro every single year and a three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Like, the only guy that I've ever seen that rivals that is J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt has three Defensive Player of the Years. He's only like a, five, a four or five-time All-Pro, so Donald still has three All-Pro selections over him. The guy's insane. Um, and there's chatter that he's retiring. I didn't know about that. He said that if he wins, he would have nothing left to do. So he might retire. I guess that's a question that has to be answered, but I, I have no idea. Um, we'll, we'll see what he decides. I, I can't imagine him hanging it up uh, with how dominant he is, but maybe he will. Who knows? But that Rams defense, Donald, Ramsey, Von Miller got a couple sacks. Uh, like they, that is why they were assembled to make the stops they needed when the offense was struggling, when they, when they couldn't put together a drive, the defense stepped up. Now this all really happened after Odell got hurt. So let's, let's get into the Rams. Cause we're already kind of talking about them after talking mostly about the game uh, or most, the most important parts of the game, I guess, but you all watched it. So I don't really need to do a game recap. Uh, the, the offense of the Rams very clearly had to adjust. They fell off and they had to readjust after Odell went out of the game. Odell was, was running around free as a bird. He had like three catches for 53 yards in the first quarter and a half of the game and already had a touchdown too. Uh, so he was running around, tearing up the Bengals' defense. Um, obviously, when you have Cooper Cup to deal with as well, it's a bit difficult. I will give the Bengals credit. They completely neutralized the run game from the first play to the last. Uh, the Rams had absolutely nothing going for them on the ground. Daryl Henderson couldn't run the ball. Cam Akers couldn't run the ball. Henderson was a bit was pretty effective in the passing game. He had a couple big catches. But the Rams could not run the ball. For whatever reason, McVay kept insis insisting on trying to run the ball on first down, and it just never worked. But Outside of that decision-making, uh, the Rams couldn't run. So I give the Bengals defense credit for that. And I give them credit for shutting down Cooper Cup for a while. And then the fourth quarter came around and Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford decided to do what they do best, which is hook up on every single play that they needed to get a first down and needed to throw. Matt Stafford had this crazy no-look pass to him in the middle of the field that it went viral after the fact. Um, from a bunch of different angles. It was very impressive. But up until the last drive, you know, Cooper Cup only had like a three or four catches, and then he ended with like eight in the last quarter. He had like four, double, doubled his catch amount in the fourth quarter. But the offense very clearly had to adjust after Odell went out. And I feel for my boy. I really do. And it's important to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. This guy is so immensely talented. And he's so fun to watch. People have their problems with him for whatever reason. 
Uh, whether you were a Giants fan and you didn't like the tantrums he threw on the sideline or you're a Browns fan and you don't like how he forced his way out, uh, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. All that aside, he's immensely talented. He is an unbelievable wide receiver, and he was lined up to get a pretty good contract. Like, wherever he decided if he was going to stay in L.A., if he was going to go somewhere else in free agency, he was a guy that was going to get a, a sizable, he probably would have been the highest paid, whatever, whoever else is a free agent wide receiver, he probably would have gotten the most money out of all of them. Um, he was finally healthy. He was playing. He showed that he could still play well, tear defenses up, and be that guy. And then you get a, a pass over the middle of the field. Beckham drops it, immediately goes to the ground and grabs his, his left knee. Non-contact, no one hit him, nothing. And you knew that was it. Uh, this guy re-tears his left ACL, um, same one that he tore a few years ago. Brutal. Just a, a brutal twist of fate that happened to this guy because he finally got to the Super Bowl. He was lighting it up. He was the biggest threat on the Rams' offense for the first quarter and a half. And on just a crossing route over the middle of the field, no one near him, his knee gives out, and that's all she wrote. So now Odell's 29 years old. He is going to have to go through a second ACL rehab on it, the same knee, a surgery and a rehab. By the time he gets back to playing football, he'll probably be 31 years old. Uh, all of this going into the fact that he is a free agent. It's not even like he has security anymore like he did when he, he was with the Browns. This is his free agent year. He's lined up to get a good contract. And now he's a free agent. I expect because he helped the Rams after Robert Woods also tore his ACL. I expect the Rams to make him an offer. It's going to be discounted. It's not going to be as much as he deserves. But they're going to make him an offer. And he's going to be allowed to rehab, live and rehab in LA. Probably like he wants to. Um, and eventually come back and try and play some more football. There's an outside chance he just hangs it up and retires. I don't think that's the case. But there is an outside chance that that happens. Now, again, I don't believe that's going to happen, but I'm just saying. I wouldn't be surprised if he just says, screw it. I don't want to rehab again and come back when I'm like 31 years old or close to 31 years old. And I've lost multiple steps. So I'll just retire after winning a Super Bowl. I would expect the Rams to do right by him and to give him a contract. It's going to be cheap. Um, maybe only for a couple years, you know, long enough for him to re get, get some money, rehab, and then come back, get a few games under his belt. And then maybe he leaves in free agency and he can go get another contract somewhere. But again, when he, by the time he comes back, he's going to be close to 31 years old. His next full season, he'll be 31. This game's, un it's unforgiving, man. It's unforgiving. And someone as talented as Odell, I'm glad he got his Super Bowl. You could see, like, he let his emotions go at the end of it. He was crying. He was hugging his family. His, uh, 
girlfriend. I don't know if they're engaged or not, but he was hugging her and she's pregnant. So he was like kissing her belly and stuff. His mom was there. His dad was there hugging everyone. I saw him hugging Von Miller because that's like his best friend. And Von Miller was the one to say, let's go chase this ring family, you know. Uh, so he, he was hug, crying and hugging him and they were celebrating together. It was, it was, it was sad. It was sad. You know, it was nice to see all his emotions come out. Obviously, you know, he, he really wanted that and to have it end the way it did after getting off to the start that it did. It was tough. It was tough to see them do that to my boy. And by them, I mean, Goodell, Roger Goodell and the, and the NFL rigged conspirators, Illuminati, the guys who wrote the game script. I can't believe they wrote in Odell tearing his ACL. I mean, that's it's rude. It's like fa- killing off. It's like Ned Stark killing off your favorite character at the end of season one. Like that's that's how it felt. I can't believe I made a Game of Thrones reference considering I hate that show now, but it felt right. So as for the Rams and their future, obviously for the next couple years, they're going to be contenders. Uh, Matt Stafford is still going to be playing. They have Cooper Cup. They have Cam Akers is going to be healthy, and I don't know what else is going to be in that backfield, but depending on Aaron, if Aaron Donald comes back, that defense is going to still be top tier. Von Miller might also leave in free agency. Who knows what he's doing? Uh, but regardless, they'll still have Ramsey, and they'll still have, I guess, Aaron Donald, assuming he comes back. So the defense will still be good. The offense will still be good. Uh, they'll have Robert Woods coming back at some point next year, probably late in the season. They'll be contenders. At least for the next two, three years, they will be contenders. And maybe they win another one. But for all intents and purposes, the job is done. They built this team to win now. They sold out. They sold out their draft picks to get talent around all sides of the ball and and win now, and they succeeded. So a successful experiment, a successful all-in experience for the Los Angeles Rams. Can't really be complaining if you're L.A. You had the Lakers win a few years ago, the Dodgers won a few years ago, and now you had the Rams win this year. So you're feeling good if you're a Rams, Dodgers, Lakers fan. I think overall, though, uh, this was probably one of the better Super Bowls that we had uh, in recent memories. Obviously, last year with the Chiefs and the Bucks was really good. So back-to-back years of solid Super Bowls. You know, sometimes they're a little boring, but uh, unfor- which is always unfortunate, of course. But this one was pretty intense. Um, I think the teams were evenly matched. Rams ended up being better slightly and they won. It's just that simple. Again, I mentioned early in the pro- in the podcast, I know some people I saw people online like on Twitter and stuff complaining about how the officiating kind of ruined this game and all that, but I didn't think that personally. I I know so officiating is a thankless job, right? There were only I think two Penalties in the entire first half. Uh, it was a delay of game and I think uh, a whole uh, a personal foul, right after the play. It wasn't even during the play. So you don't have that many flags thrown. The game went quick because of that. 
and you like seeing that. It's like let the boys play, you know. So you, as a football fan, you like when you don't have to stop every other play to listen to what the ref is saying about whatever the penalty is. And then as the game kind of started drawing to a close, we got some flags. Some we got missed calls. Uh, obviously, the the beginning of the second half, the missed call against T. Higgins on Jalen Ramsey, and then towards the end of the game, uh. There was a flag thrown on Cincinnati's linebacker. I forget his name. They called a flag on him for pass interference or holding, whatever it was, and it just wasn't. It was a really, really bad call. And then you had, that was a makeup call for another play where there was holding and they didn't call it. Um, You had a little too many flags come in in the last two minutes of the game which happens a lot in a close game and there haven't been many flags, then the, the refs get a little flag happy where they try and make it as even as possible and then like they'll miss a call, so they'll do a makeup call. It, it's stupid. Um, and then people pointed out after the fact as well, the final play of the game, Aaron Donald was lined up off sides. Uh, very slightly, but if you're looking down the line of scrimmage, his hand and his helmet are over the line of scrimmage. He is lined up offsides. They didn't throw that flag. Of course, he gets to the quarterback. Again, I don't think lining up offsides by that much means it allowed Aaron Donald to sack the quarterback. Like, that's not the reason why he's an eight-time All-Pro, right? But it is a flag that should should have been thrown, and it wasn't. That gives the Bengals a first down, puts them pretty close to field goal range. You only need about another five yards. Like, things happen. If that flag gets thrown and football isn't won or lost on one play. Obviously, everyone knows that the Bengals had several opportunities to try and put the Rams away and they couldn't because of the Rams defense. This is football. It happens. I think there were I think everyone can agree there were a couple of flags that should have been thrown and a couple of flags that should not have been thrown. They should have just the refs should have pocketed their flags. Specifically towards the end. It happens. Again, a thankless job. I was happy there weren't any flags in the first half. There were two. And then you complain when they start throwing flags in the second half. And it is annoying because you set that precedent where it's like, you're going to let them play, you're going to let them play, you're going to let them play. And then inside the red zone, you throw a really dinky flag on a linebacker holding a wide receiver he wasn't even really his hands were on him but there was no hold right there there was just there was no hold it wasn't pass interference or anything like that it was a bad call plain and simple so it's tough to see it happen that way but in the end I don't really think the officials broke that game Uh, I think they let them play for the most part and again, there were a couple questionable no calls and a couple questionable calls. But that, that happens in football. It happens. So I don't think they ruined it. But they weren't flawless either. So with all that being said, unfortunately, it is the last full football episode of the year. We're going to dive heavy into basketball. We're going to dive heavy into some TV shows and movies. I promise you. Um, when we get movies, I'm on here. 
I'm going to start talking more about the shows I'm watching. Um, Euphoria this week was really good, and we're going to see some some cool stuff next week. Cassie and Nate are all in. Um, Nate had some crazy character progression in this episode post his dad leaving, so that was cool to see. And then Attack on Titan was kind of a filler episode. I thought Annie was going to be in it more, but she didn't get thawed out. The name of the episode was Thaw. She didn't get thawed out until the end of the episode. So she'll be in the next episode, which is cool. Um, it was kind of a throwback episode, honestly, because they started slaying titans that were around the city capitol building and all that kind of stuff. So it felt like old times. Kind of felt like the Trost arc, to be honest. And then I believe the Peacekeeper finale is on Thursday. So that'll be fun too. But we'll cut it short here. Uh, thank you all for listening. I appreciate... Oh, wait. Uh, before I end, I watched Demon Slayer in the past two days. I crushed the 11 episodes of Demon Slayer. Whatever... Or I think it's called the Swordsmith... Or the, the Swordsmith Village arc. That has to come out this year. Because there's no way people are going to wait another two, three, I mean, people will wait, I'll wait, but no one's going to want to wait another two, three years for 11 episodes. It's, it's going to be so frustrating if that happens. Um, but Demon Slayer, the Entertainment District arc, fire. Fire. The animation was crazy. The fights were insane. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy with the season. I just, I hope that they pump out new episodes within a calendar year like if by the start of 2020 if they're like okay we're the next arc comes out january 2023 that's fine right that's like a normal tv show i can wait another year to watch the third arc of the year or the, th or the third season i guess of demon slayer uh but if, if the, you can't wait another two three years like it was before like yes we had mugen train and uh, that kind of broke it up a little bit. You know, that was that was some demons. And it was fire. That movie was absolutely goaded. But it's going to be tough if you're kind of going to sit here and you're like, you're not going to get another movie, but instead you have to wait two years for the next arc. That's going to suck. MAPPA employees. MAPPA took over Vinland Saga. So Wit Studio, I don't know what's happening with Wit Studio, but they did the first three seasons of Attack on Titan and then MAPPA took it for season four, part one and part two. They did the first season of Vinland Saga, which was fantastic. And now reportedly MAPPA is doing season two of Vinland Saga, which is supposed to come out this year. I, I, I was told this year, it might be the end of 2022, early 2023, but, and they're doing Jujutsu Kaisen, which comes out, I think they said first quarter. That's, a, that's another thing, or late 2022, early 2023 for Jujutsu Kaisen season two. So MAPPA employees, thank you. But also, I feel bad because they are probably working nonstop. I'm hoping the product doesn't suffer because of that. Okay. Now, I think that'll do it for this episode from my point of view. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you as always. No more football, but we will be keeping up with football news, of course, if anything significant happens, like that Carson Wentz drama. Um, so we'll keep up with that. But thank you all for listening. I appreciate you as always. And I will talk to you all next Wednesday.